AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick, Michael Barr, and Evan Novi Williams. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And we're going to start with Major League Baseball and the Union in talks on the sign stealing punishments. And it has gotten to the point where now LeBron James is weighing in on this whole controversy. Well, before we go to baseball, do you want to say anything about the uh, Daytona 500? Oh, yes. Uh, to Ryan Newman. And this is what I was talking about when we were talking with Steve Phelps earlier. Uh, that, And I know that they people want to see crashes in when Which they Steve watch admitted. a race. And, and, and this is why you don't. Because it, for that moment, a driver's life is in the balance. And that's what happened... Uh, with Ryan Newman. And he was God in the bless. lead on the final lap, right? He was in I mean, the lead like, on the final lap. Somebody touched him in the back. Somebody touched the rear. Like, it yeah, like- I mean, in a quick uh, synopsis is that he was trying to block Denny Hamlin from getting to the lead, and all of a sudden then he saw Blaney at the bottom, and then he decided, well, i got to go to the bottom. And then they Blaney bumped him in the trioval, which is the lightest part of the race tra- racetrack. When I say light, that's when the car can just get out of control so fast. And he hits the wall head on. Now, that's bad enough. But then the car goes in the air. That was reminiscent of Dale. Yes, yes. And and that was bad. But then it it goes in the air and, and, oh, my goodness, here comes Corey LaJoy. And and lucky man, Corey LaJoy, because that car is 3,400 pounds coming into your windshield. And it hit the front of the car, flipped and hit the top, and uh, it hit the driver post for Ryan Newman. But that's a good segue to the Astros, though, because that's what some other players want to do to the Astros. Well, yeah. they, want, they, they want to pummel them bad. <laughs> I thought For, you were going with like a train wreck. Uh, uh, well, it is a train wreck. The whole thing, the whole thing is train wreck. But Bar, you mentioned LeBron. That's what. Uh, why LeBron James is chiming in? I'll never know. I mean, I guess he can, but whatever. But uh, it's gotten so bad that we now have at least one Major League Baseball player, Nick Markakis of the Braves saying that the Astros players deserve, each deserve a beating. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't help that Manfred called the trophy a piece said, of well, metal. He apologized. Yeah, that was silly. I mean, it is the commissioner's trophy. I mean, he, he, he definitely screwed up on that one, and he said so. But the problem here for me is that you have a fractured union. How does Tony Clark handle this in that he gave immunity to the players 
Manfred did because you would think the union demanded it. They, they, they yeah, can't be penalized the, the for sign stealing. Right, yeah. right. And now you have a majority of your membership saying, what are you, nuts? They're messing with our livelihoods. There are certain things you just cannot do, and this crossed whatever that line of demarcation is between a okay, turn the cheek, shouldn't have done it, wink, wink, and just utter blasphemy. This has crossed that line. Yeah, I asked on the podcast earlier, you know, where is the union in all this? And, and we're starting to see that. You know, Tony Clark, as you said, came out this week and said, one, you know, we sought immunity for these players. It was it was contingent on them talking to Major League Baseball for Major League Baseball's investigation. Um, however, moving forward, we are willing to see a rewriting of the rules in which players in the future, if they get caught doing something similar, uh, are going to uh, going to face some punishment. I also think, you know, over the past few years, Major League Baseball, they're not alone in this. All these leagues have kind of gradually loosened the availability of technology on the bench, in the dugout, etc. Um, you know, you see deals with Microsoft Surface and Apple iPad, things like that. Um, access to real-time stats during the game, coaches, etc. I wonder if we're going to start seeing a pullback of that now. If, if Rob Manfred and maybe even Tony Clark both sit there and say, listen, maybe we went too far. Maybe, maybe the availability of technology yeah, I mean, that we made it, for players and managers was too much. We've all spoken to pitchers. The entire premise of great pitching is fooling the hitter. It's fast, it's slow, it's up, it's down. If they yep. know what's coming, that's, that's out. But I'm going to solve the problem for, for Rob Manfred and all other commissioners right now. You know the saying that a wise man or a smart man learns from his own mistakes, a wise man learns from the mistakes of others? Right. Well, Rob Manfred did not learn from Roger Goodell's mistake. And what I mean in, by that is the Ray Rice affair. I know what the CBA allows for that punishment. I know that it only allows for six games. I get it. I get it. But it was so egregious and on tape and in your face that I said at the time that Roger Goodell should have just suspended him for the entire season and said, you know what? This was so egregious. Make the union defend it. Make yeah. the union defend it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Make the union say, I don't care about the rule that we do. I don't care. I'm suspending him for the full season. Make the union then appeal and then say, my hands were tied. I did what I could, but my hands were tied. Put it on the union. That's exactly what Rob Manfred should have done here. No way. Would he, had, would he have had as much cooperation without it? No. Do you think you could have gotten enough to suspend a whole lot of players? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's the big question. If if Rob Manfred had not agreed to Tony Clark, hey, in, in, in exchange for your players talking about this to me, we're not going to punish any of them, I do wonder how much... How much at all he could have he could have gotten about who was involved and what the what the process looks like. So it's, it was a little different in in that regard, um, but no question that this is going on. You had and former players who were there who were already spilling beans. It would have come out. Let's not forget that, uh, and this is a transition into the next topic if we want to do it right now. But the Red Sox are also under investigation. On here. the yes. clock, that is another report clock. that that Rob Manfred's office is putting together. Presumably, I believe also the same the same setup that players talk to Major League Baseball under the under the uh, assumption that they or the promise that they would not be penalized. Uh, but in the middle of how poorly this has all been handled, I think by almost everybody involved, we're now going to get another major team, another very successful team with a huge fan base that is now going to have allegations against it come out as well. So you know this is by no means over. We, we laughed last week when Jim Crane said we're happy to have this in the rearview mirror. Uh, this is not in the rearview mirror well, by, no, by any means. That's okay because I think he's actually maybe he has it right. 
maybe Jim Crane has it right. I, I'm excited where this goes. <laughs> well, it's not exactly the rearview mirror. If you look at the side mirror, you get that piece of cheap glass that says objects are closer than they appear. So to Jim Crane, they're Mine way is back. Worn off, yeah, man. they're way back in the in the rear view for Jim Crane, and they're actually right on his heels. By the way, I, I oh. would I would love to see the Dodgers or somebody who lost to these Astros, maybe oh. the Yankees, pay their players the bonus they would have gotten. From winning the series or winning the uh, or winning that divisional uh, divisional round, I think that'd I have, be a nice gesture. I have got to bet the over or under on the Houston Astros on how many times they're going to get plunked during the entire. I mean, just season. the fact that eighty-three that and a half Vegas yeah. is putting number, this right. putting this out there shows you how serious. And by the way, not that I'm a voice of a virtue here, but uh, I'm, th- that you can like like they're talking NASCAR and dangerous. Yeah. Man, I just don't like baseballs being thrown at guys. Well, so I, I just think it's going to be in the under because simply from the fact baseball is going to come in and say, "All right, okay, I don't think you the, got at your this thing, point, I don't think know. the players care. Seriously, I don't think the players care. They they are livid at the. I mean, Aaron Judge tried to be diplomatic for the first thirty seconds. He was talking about this, and then he just let it fly. Yeah. Yeah. They are. You are talking about not only the pitchers' careers. You're talking. What about the minor leaguers in in Houston that won't get a yeah. shot? You're talking about careers. You're talking about guys who work unbelievably hard to be at the top of their craft to be able to stay and get there and be a major league baseball player. And this is just. Oof. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's three percent on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, did either of you see what Mike Trout said? No, what did Trout say? I know Trout was mad. <laughs> so I'm asking for two reasons. One, I thought his comments were interesting, that he lost respect for a lot of his friends, people he thought were his friends, um, and uh, and it's called it sad for baseball. But, you know, we've talked about Mike Trout before specifically. He's the best player in baseball by far, possibly the best player that baseball's ever had. When he speaks, it doesn't resonate in the way that it does when— Got more, I mean, got more attention when LeBron Le- talked Le- about LeBron James, yeah. who's the yeah. biggest yeah. player in another sport, got yeah. way more attention for addressing this with, with less harsh words than Mike Trout, who— in my opinion, should be the the voice of the face, of baseball, the voice, the, base, yeah. the voice, etc. Um, so yeah, Mike Trout has spoken. Uh, nobody seems to have paid too much attention to it, but I did think that was interesting as well. By the way, let me tell you what LeBron James said. He said he would be uncontrollable if he found out someone cheated him out of a title, and he's urging Rob Manfred to listen 
to the players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken about this and to fix this for the sake of I think, sports. I think he should be pushing that on Tony Clark, yeah. Rob Manfred. <laughs> yeah. He's got the wrong guy. Uh, speaking of the Red Sox. Yes. yes. <laughs> speaking, uh, owner John Henry, he's trying to placate the fans because of the Mookie Betts trade. And uh, fans are, hap- are not happy at all. And uh, he, he started out by saying they're talking about challenges in the offseason. And I'll let you guys go. Well, since this is the business of sports, most assumed that this was a salary dump with Mookie Betts and David Price. You're not going to resign him to a 10-year, 200, whatever he's going to command on, on the open market. They didn't want to pay that tax coming up. But he's saying no. And this is a guy, by the way, worth almost $3 billion. Saying that's not why we did it. We didn't do it for that. We just thought we'd get more value this way. And it, you know, he, he always was a value investor, by the way. Um, you, 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 well, I mean, it's a mindset. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Red Sox have been known for cutting ties with, we'll say, aging players. You know, you get mid 30s. I know Mookie's 27 oh, yeah. right aging now. Is not no, no, no. But you, are you going to give a guy a 10 year contract at 27, 28? You're talking about Nomar Garcia Parra. I'm talking about a lot of guys. You are going to give Mookie Betts a 10 year contract at, at 27, well, 28. He's not. Well, the Red Sox he, are. He tried. Uh, yeah. To me, that was the most illuminating part of his, his discussion. I mean, he. He was asked at one point, "How do you? How was this avoidable? Do you have any regrets?" And he was like, "It's avoidable if we had signed him to a long-term deal." And it sounds like, according to reports, they offered him ten million, ten years, three hundred million, which is but they probably, a decent amount of money. But he probably wants more than that, though. and he wanted that, more. Than well, that's that. the and problem. That, and that's that, there's your value. You have your line in the sand. You have drawn your value. Totally. Can you really be mad at an yeah. owner who offered ten three hundred to say that they didn't try to keep him? No, I think that's fair. And I and I. I think owners should do more of this, right? It's clear that Red Sox fans were upset and he felt the need to to address them directly. Um, but I think oftentimes owners lose the narrative or also yeah. often you know, have fans who don't even understand the position they're taking because they they often don't stand there and say, listen, I am going to tell you why this happened. Well, that, that was Mark Cuban years ago when he traded away Steve Nash. He knew yeah. that Steve was a fan favorite and he felt like he needed to explain and he took, I mean, I don't know, three, four thousand words, whatever it was, and went step by step through the thought process as to why. And he didn't, he's like, I know this might not be popular. I know you may disagree with me. But you are owed an explanation as to why. And like you said, I wish more owners yeah. would do that. But there's, there's a-, a timing factor also. Excuse me for saying yeah, There's a timing factor about this also because this trade came along as all this hootenanny was going on about hoot-nanny. the cheating. That's my, hoot- that's my like, new word. Wow. For that. It's like Bobby Bowden's in the booth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this came along uh-huh, right yeah. as the cheating scandal Damn was gummit. going on. And and here you are, and you've traded away your best player. It's like if you see your mom and dad. It's about timing. Your mom and dad are sitting in the kitchen, and you and you ask your mom Uh-oh, and dad, "Where's this going, hey, Can we go to the ice cream shop and get some ice cream?" Well, someone might say, "Okay, son." But if you go in the kitchen and you see mom and dad arguing, and then you go in there and you ask, hey, let's go to the ice cream shop. There's a timing problem here. That's what happened with this. What are you talking about? Da- actually, dad's getting yelled sense. at by mom. <laughs> dad's getting yelled at by mom. He says, let's go to the ice cream shop. Let's go, everybody. I think that car. made total sense. And it's, it's a good point because in the wider context right now, the Red Sox had a bad year last year. They missed the playoffs after winning the World Series. Um, they trade away their best player. Fans get upset. There is some kind of revealing information probably coming down the pipe soon from Major League Baseball about sign stealing. Uh, I I don't know if you saw, but the the CEO of the the club said ticket sales right now are down 15% 
versus what they were last year. Sam Kennedy. They, they usually renew 89% of their season tickets. They're expecting low 80s or below that. Um, there is a chance that all these factors, and who knows what the main one is, but all these things could have a, a significant business effect on the Red Sox. And as you think about what that might mean long term, that actually might mean less spending in the future. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Manchester City, talking about soccer. Speaking of not less spending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could segue in that John Henry owns Liverpool, rival Man City in the EPL. Their problem isn't not enough spending. Thank They're, you. Then uh, Kevin Bacon watches whatever. Anyway, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, they've been suspended, what, for two seasons now? Two from... seasons of Champions League. Yeah. And if you don't know, that's where they make some big bucks. And this is all about financial fair play. And they have been deemed to have run afoul of the rules. Yeah. So for folks who don't understand exactly what financial fair play means, you know, back in 2011, when soccer teams were spending crazy amounts of money, um, you know, European soccer implemented a, a rule essentially that said that you can't spend more than you make. You know, to prevent you from having a multi-multi-billionaire owner who comes in and buys all the best players and you win everything. And they were having, by the way, like that would also be like w- like one pocket paying the other pocket. Sometimes, yeah. if you had like the Qatari fund, exactly. we'd be having a short sponsor deal. Airline. That was we, yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. So, um, and and so you know, there's always been you know rumors, accusations, maybe some evidence that some clubs were essentially goosing, as, as Scott said, goosing their sponsorship numbers as a way of being able to put more money into investing in players. Uh, and Man City has always been kind of at the front of those accusations. And, you know, according to UEFA, which is the governing body for European soccer, they claim that they have enough evidence to say that, you know, they were they were lying about their accounting. And as a result, two-year ban from Champions League, three, thir- uh, 30 million euro fine, which is pennies Whatever. compared to yeah. the money that they are going to lose out on yeah. if they don't yes. end up uh, playing in the Champions League. Uh, they're going to appeal the ruling for sure, so you know this is not the end of it. And, and this, this goes to the Court of Man, Arbitration Man for City sport. has you know, pretty full-throatedly you know, defended itself, at least for now. Um, but you know, a massive, massive ruling that could have huge financial effects. And by the way, we should, like Man City also has the tentacles around the world. That's NYCFC, yep. that's you know, City Sydney Fo- FC, City Football Club, yeah. City yeah. Football Club, yeah, that, that brand extends around the world. Yeah, just to put that money in perspective real quick, the, the winner of the Champions League, I believe this year, is going to clear almost $90 million. You know, and if you that's all on a tier basis. So if Man City, let's just say they were going to make it to the quarterfinals, right? That's way more than the thirty million euros that they're being uh, fined as a result of this. So two years of that is a pretty big one. And let's also not forget, you know, they have players and they have a coach, Pep Guardiola, who you know is not going to love the idea of not playing, playing on or on the coaching stage. on a team that's that not there. That doesn't help yeah. him right? one bit. So, by the way, yeah, you, I, I think know. it's reasonable to think that if this. Ban gets upheld, you lose your coach, and you may lose players as well. Man City CEO, uh, Ferran Soriano, he has denied the claims. He said, look, these allegations are simply not true. Okay. We'll see what the Court of <laughs> yeah, Arbitration we'll see, for we'll Sports see what says. CAS says. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. Uh, you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, and we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for you talking about some of the biggest sports issues and the biggest names in sports. You can catch me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You can catch me on Twitter at Sashna. And you can catch me at Novi underscore Williams. Join us again at the end of the week. We're speaking with Bob Arum, boxing promoter. He's got a big heavyweight fight coming up. It's a good conversation. Oh, I, I got Wilder ask. Fury. I, I, I got to ask. Fury? Yeah. Or, or, or Wilder? Or Wilder. I, since I've never seen either one of these guys throw a punch, I will uh, yield to Mr. Novi underscore Williams. I, I pick Fury for the name. It's a great, great name. 
It now I, I have a buddy. For a yeah, the love it. Fury. <laughs> I now I have a buddy who's an avid boxing fan, and he's picking Wilder. The reason why he's picking Wilder is because in the last fight, I guess Fury got a bad cut. Yeah, and it, he doesn't think it's healed properly. Well, Novi so, Williams showed me that punch. That was and, something. That was and, left hook. The last yeah. fight was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it, and by the, if by the way, Bar, back up. Stick, let, let's stick around for the interview. But I'm going to tell you, Evan Novi Williams and I got a little news out of Bob Arum that they've already agreed to a third fight. Yeah. Might not happen, but the terms are set for mm-hmm. round three. Now, and, and again, my my buddy, you know, I'm going to give him a shout out. Mark Burke grew up with him as a friend, and he says that if the fight happens. And Fury loses, that that that's going to be the end of it, and it's going to go on to the even bigger fight. Well, they've already agreed for round they three. Have a third fight already yep. in the book, so we'll see. All right, take us out of this show. All right, uh, you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, and you can catch our show wherever you get your podcasts. Osage County, Oklahoma, is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie's based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.